Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and I'm joined by my co-host, VP of Operations, Amanda, and our wonderful, wonderful guest, Nicole Burgess. And I have to tell you, Nicole is amazing. This is going to be such an incredible conversation. Uh, Nicole is an introvert, and she's committed to helping other introverts in the workplace. So is this going to be a great? This is going to be great. Um, She offers empowerment and leadership coaching for introverted and highly sensitive women. Uh, She has a master's degree in counseling psychology. She's a certified leadership coach and a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, She also has founded the Self-Care Summit uh, to improve your bottom line and your personal life. So pardon me as I read my notes a bit here. (laughs) (laughs) And and Nicole is also the host of the podcast, Soul Filled Sisterhood, which I was lucky enough to be a guest on. That's how we connected. Isn't this amazing? What a small world. And today, or everyone, you just, this is going to be such a great conversation. We're going to be talking about how introverts work best and can excel in their careers. And this includes leadership positions. So welcome, Nicole. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Lynn and Amanda. I'm very excited to be here today. Well, we are thrilled to have you. This is going to be, like I said, I think this is such an important conversation um, as we talk about, because so many people who look at being thinking of themselves as introvert, they sort of feel like it puts up a wall and holds them back mm-hmm. from achieving great things. So yep. I want to get into this. And for anyone who's just joining us for the first time, hey, please go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss out on a single episode uh, of Claim Your Career Crown. And while you're at it, go ahead and click all five stars and share the love. Okay, so Nicole, um, why don't we just start at the beginning and have you tell us about your journey and how you ended up being a life coach specializing in working with introverts and highly sensitive people. Yeah. So many, many years ago, I actually started out in accounting. So I was an accountant way back many moons. And then I went in to be a business analyst. And no matter which corporate job I was in, I had people coming in telling me their life story. I had people to asking me questions about relationships, how they do things differently. And so I thought, you know what, I think, you know, I'd been pulled really since high school with psychology and the human brain and how people worked and ticked. And so I finally went to graduate school and I've got my degree, got my master's in counseling psychology, went on, got licensed in California. Then I moved across the state, moved around a couple of times and I ended up in Indiana. And I found through my therapy world that, you know, I've helped thousands and thousands of people now because I've been doing this over 15 years. But there's also a constraint in who I can help and where I can help them in. And I've had quite a few women kind of starting to come to me regarding their own personal business because I'm an entrepreneur. They wanted to know how they could do that better. At least some that wanted that were going into leadership or were leadership and they were starting to burn out. And so I started to branch off and went into coaching. And I've had tons of training in my corporate world in leadership. And so I just continue that with all the other stuff and training I've been through. And I thought, oh, this is just a perfect match. So that's kind of like the short version of the long journey to get to where I am today. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that's really great. And I like that you're focusing on introverts because, I mean, I'm an introvert myself and I'm shy and 
some people say they're the different things. Well, I'm both of those things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's definitely something that's impacted me in my career. So how do you think introverts differ from extroverts at work and specifically in leadership positions? Yeah. So the big thing to know about being introverted, it's you have a very rich inner world. So it means where do you direct your energy? So introverts direct their energy inwards, extroverts direct their energy outward. And you're correct, Amanda, shy is different than being an introvert. So there's various books that have kind of stuck a label on like, oh, you know, introverts are shy, they're this, they're that. And I'm like, no, that's actually called anxiety. So with the mental health background, I'm like, I can totally tell you in the diagnostic manual where that fits, but that's very different. With being an introvert, it means that we often like kind of observe what is going on in the workforce or in your company and you observe what's going on in your team and you're taking a ton of information in and you often need time to really process that information before you can kind of give it back out. Introverts are just great listeners. I mean, that's a big thing. And they don't do well when there's a ton of interruptions, which I know for extroverts, there's a lot of that. They kind of bounce off ideas with other people. And so that can sometimes be challenging. So as a leader, it's making sure you're being able to put up some boundaries or set some expectations with what that looks like. So your whole team or your workforce really they thrive versus just kind of existing and trying to be something that they're not. Yeah, no, that, that very much makes sense to me. I'm I'm definitely known as more of a listener than a talker. Um, mm-hmm. I think most of my team members and family can say the same. And um, I think that's good. Though. I think it's good to set boundaries and, and manage expectations of how you work and how you work best. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's good for people to, to understand. Yeah, because my guess would be you like take in so much of the information that you're receiving from others. It doesn't mean you're not generating ideas and you've got all these incredible things going on. It just means you need some space to formulate what it is you want to report back or work on. And that's the biggest piece of it. When there's a ton of interruptions, you're not able to do that. Um, yeah. You kind of get caught up in the moment and that's all you've got. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I know that some people like Lynn, she's she's a talker. She likes to talk out ideas. Yep. I'm more of like a thinker and like I like just like think and, and write out my ideas. Yes. Um, pen to paper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one thing too is that when we're trying to brainstorm something, I will say, okay, everybody, you don't have to respond right now. You can mull this over and think about it. Um, but this is sort of the direction. This is what I'm thinking. And let's come back on our next team meeting and bring ideas. Uh mm-hmm. so you know, from the that opposite spectrum, I don't think of myself as either an introvert or an extrovert. I have characteristics of each, I think. But anyway, uh, it definitely, you know, trying to make everybody comfortable. And that is, as you said, when you communicate and you give that information, that it's okay to think this yep. through and to come back at ideas, but also to make sure that one thing I'll do is I'll tap somebody because they haven't spoken up. And mm-hmm. I'll say, I'd really like to get your input. And you've had a day to think about this or two days. <laughs> yep. And it's not putting them on the spot, but really inviting them to join the conversation so that they can share uh, any thought that they have. And, you know, their first thing, well, no, it all sounds good. But, well, you know, this one thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, peel the mm-hmm. onion. <laughs> Let's get yep. that extra piece of thought um, so that we can really pull in all these uh, angles Yes. Uh, so that we can look at, uh, you know, and really try to think through 
um, and capture everything to make the best possible decision. And I know that I started off our whole conversation, Nicole, with that, you know, putting up barriers and some Mm -hmm. of these self-limiting beliefs. And I know that fear plays a big part in that because we all have gremlins um, and we have negative thoughts. And how does fear, um, I mean, I know it impacts me um, uh, in different ways, but does it have a more profound impact on introverts and how they perform at work and in leadership roles? Or is it, it's just different how it impacts them? Like what you were kind of alluding to, I think it doesn't matter what your preference is, right? Whether it's introversion or extroversion, everyone has fears at different points in time. I know for many of the introverts that I have worked with over the years, when they are looking at whether it's opening up their own business or going into leadership roles, one of the fears is I'm going to get overwhelmed if I step into this type of position, if I step into this job, right? It's like everybody's going to want something from me and that's going to be just really overwhelming. I just don't think I can do it. And it's getting really curious of just like, well, look where you are right now, how you've gotten to where you are, what's worked for you, what hasn't worked for you. And then again, it's being able to say, if, if it's your job position or if it's your own business, you can set up different boundaries. You can set up different expectations and then work with the people you have. Because for the most part, right, people really, they want one another to succeed, right? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, they're not, everybody's not going to come at you like attack you like, oh my gosh, you've got to do this thing right now. And if that's the case, it's like, hey, I know this is a really high you know, priority for you and we need to look at this, this and this. So give me 10 minutes. I need to go back and regroup and kind of think about this. But it's it's a fear of getting overwhelmed and it's making sure you can set up one, your own self-care. I'm a big proponent of self-care and making sure you're doing that every single day. And you can do that at home and at, and at work. The other thing to remember is articulate to those that you're working with what you also need and so that they understand that as well. I know another fear for some introverts when they first kind of get going into leadership roles, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm really going to be out there. I'm really going to be seen. (laughs) Right. And you're like, and (laughs) underneath that fear is often the fear of failure or sometimes that fear of success. And so, again, you get really curious about where is that limiting belief coming from and being able to start to switch that. It's like you faced all these fears before in different ways within your life. So who's to say you can't do it again? It's all those small little steps, right? Helps build the confidence that builds that bravery and you get that momentum going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, That actually kind of like talking about bravery kind of reminds me of um, a discussion we had recently about intentional bravery and using that to kind of overcome certain fears. Um, yes. Doesn't mean you're not afraid, but it means that you're working through it and, yep. and finding success on the other end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's that, that is it. It's choosing. I do want to go with this direction in my life. And so I will intentionally first acknowledge that I even have the fear, have that own limiting belief. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I'm going to take small action steps that the more we do that fear again, from, from a clinical, uh, standpoint, right? Our fear is all about that future moment. Well, the future moment hasn't even happened yet. We're only in this moment. So whenever (laughs) we take action steps, then the fears is like, well, ugh that stinks. What are you doing? You're actually going to overcome me. And it's like, you betcha I am. 
So it's turning that, you know, the inner fear, the inner critics, all that stuff. It's like, you know, you can coach me, but if there's not truly a saber tooth tiger, it's nothing more than a perception issue. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it um, definitely takes those baby steps. Sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like when you think about how you learn to ride a bike, you know, yep. we all had, you know, the the trike and then the, the, the bike with the training wheels and we would fall off the bike, but we'd yep. get back up and get back on it. And so I think with everything that we learn, we have to recognize that we're not going to get from point A to point B instantly. And in fact, sometimes that you, you have to take the long road around uh, to travel a short journey. So it's it's learning these incremental steps and keep building on that. And when you when you do get knocked down, you dust yourself off and you go, OK, so how do I fix this? And yep. you go at it again. But I think that's that's really important. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one of the fears that you mentioned was um, was burning out and that trying to behave like an extrovert can can cause introverts to burn out. Um, how can introverts perform well and be leaders in ways that actually work for them? And what does leadership look like for an introvert? So. I love this question because I don't know how many introverts I have worked with over the years. They're like, I know I'm burning out because they're working longer hours. They're having endless meetings. They're trying to please every single person that they possibly can. They're not able to, if if you're in the, um, an actual office setting. And if you've got a door, they're like, Oh, but my door is open all the time. It's like, Nope. Sometimes you literally need to shut the door. You need to make sure you have kind of an end time in mind. You may not be able to do that consistently every day, but I would say be as intentional as you possibly can with leaving at a halfway decent time. If you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, that's a recipe for burnout for anybody. And again, I don't care what your preference is. But for introverts, you absolutely need downtime because if you don't have space in between, you you really stifle your problem solving abilities, you stifle your creativity, and then you can't actually be the leader you want to be for your team or for your business because you're just drained, you're exhausted. So again, mm-hmm. going back to like I often say for some of my introverts, um, having a morning routine where they wake up in enough time that their day starts with ease versus like, oh my gosh, I've hit my alarm clock three times. I've got to hurry up and rush out the door and then I got to do that. And they're so going, they've already created their own stress before they've even left the day, left yeah. for the day. So mm-hmm. making sure you kind of have a little, you may do some meditation. You may need to do kind of a, a brain dump. You may need to do journaling, something that allows your day to start with ease. And then at night, you also may need to actually turn off all the electronics. Do not, do not check your phone the first thing in the morning. Do not check your phone before you go to bed. Those electronics need to be turned off because it gets the brain going again. And you need to be able to actually kind of de-accelerate in a way and so that your mind and your internal it's really your nervous system needs to unwind and that can take a little bit because there's so many different things firing in the brain for introverts Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um I feel like I've been dealing with a lot of burnout this year especially and I think it's I think it's I mean work has been busier but I think it's also because um the pandemic has definitely affected me and um, I like what you mentioned about self-care earlier. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, the, I, I feel like self-care has been a really big thing for me this year and like taking the time to meditate and just slow yeah. down and stop doing things all the time. Because I feel like I'm very much a person who feels like I need to be productive all the time, even like with with hobbies. I feel like I want to be productive with them. But yep. this has been a year about learning. And I, I liked what you're what you're saying about that. Well, in our culture, specifically here in the U.S., it really is driven by um, results and producing. And not every culture is that way. It really it, it supports more of the extroversion than it does introversion. You can go into different countries and different cultures, and they're more supportive, more of introversion. And so mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying, because I've got some hobbies. I'm like, oh, I've got to do this. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you really right. don't. It's like, pause, take a breath. It's okay to be. That is still doing, because you're being. Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah, mm-hmm. giving yourself space. And I would say some of that, almost like the hyperdrive, really goes more to perfectionism, which is also fear-based. Fear of what other mm-hmm. people are going to think of you, and you've got to be the workaholic. But Again, that's a, a recipe to burning out. It's not there to support you, and you're not going to be the leader you want to be when you're burnt out. You can't do yeah. anything, whether it's your work or even your personal life. You're just, bleh, you're done. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so here's a topic that I've heard about a little bit, especially in the last few months. Um, how does introversion relate to being highly sensitive at work and in life more generally? So highly sensitive is actually, it's a um, 20 to almost maybe 30% of the population are highly sensitive people. And Dr. Elaine Aaron is the one who has coined this term and she started the research way back in 1990. And she's done just a ton of research on highly sensitives. 70% of HSPs are introverts and 30% are extroverts. Um, I know if people are familiar with the Myers-Briggs scoring, you know, if you're an NF or an NT, a lot of NFs are, are are highly sensitives and some NTs are as well. But she's got a quiz that they can go out to her website and te- take to see, but it's the depth of processing. So it's does, depth of processing, over arousability, emotional reactivity, and then sensitivity. So the depth of processing, there's more neurons actually firing in the brain um, than those who are non-HSPs. And so you're deep feelers, deep thinkers. That's one way of knowing it. The emotional arousability, you just feel things really intensely. Those who are non-HSPs, they can see this beautiful work of art and they're like, oh, that's awesome. But man, it can move an HSP to tears, right? When Mm -hmm. they see that. The um, E for the emotional reactivity, again, just feeling the depth of this emotion. And again, you can feel it really intensely to things. And then the sensitivity is light and sound and texture. That's not the main thing. Dr. Elaine Aaron says, really, the biggest thing is the depth of processing that goes on with HSPs. But that sensitivity, like, so for me, I know if I get in too much light for a while, my house is typically dark. I just don't have Mm -hmm. a lot of lights on, right? And for other people, it's sound. Other people, it is just, um, you know, they have to have their space a certain way so that it's really conducive. So if you think about it, if you work in a a place that has a ton of um, fluorescent lights, a lot of distracting noises and constructions, a highly sensitive person, I don't care if you're an extrovert or an introvert, that can really be distracting for them. And that cannot actually produce like the best work for them because they're just getting so overstimulated with all the external stuff that is going on. So for HSPs, it's making sure, you know, their work environment truly works for them and understanding they also need kind of time to process 
So like what you were saying, Lynn, it's like if there is a, a big meaning, it's like everybody kind of go back, brainstorm stuff. If you want to throw out ideas now, you can, but allow the person to come back and say, OK, I thought about this. Here's some ideas that I think may be working because HSPs, they also very much about harmony in the workforce and with other people. And that can sometimes be to the detriment. because they can really get that people pleasing can get in the way but that's part of it so I think it's a beautiful skill to have uh introvert as an and an HSP again two different kind of things but also be a leader because there's so much about the listening and influencing and creative and all of that as well hope that answered the question (laughs) yeah 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 I think it did and I I like learning about it because I don't know much about HSPs, but um, sounds like I might be one of them. I'm not sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be sure to include that backlink for the quiz that you said that was there. That would be great. Yep. Um, so, I mean, this has been a really great conversation and ending on that, which is not a topic I think we've ever covered. Um, but uh, Nicole, I, I, I want to know, do you have anything else you'd like to add about how you can play to your strengths as an introvert in the workplace, because, you know, obviously that's going to be an important thing. I, you know, when, because I think those introverts, introverts tend to put up those walls around themselves. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, and all of us bring strengths and weaknesses to every equation. And so how can you really, you know, really sometimes also look at that, what you may perceive as a a, a weakness and pivot it and turn it, and look at the other side and how it is a strength. So I think, you know, to I know for many of the HSPs that I work with, they they often think their sensitivities make them weak. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a gift. It really, truly is. And it is the same thing with introversion. Because you have such like a rich inner world, your creativity, the, the ability to listen, you're often very empathetic. All of these things are what the world also needs. And the other thing to remember, too, again, I'm going to stick kind of with here in the U.S., if people think, well, it's it's mostly an extroverted you know, country, it's not. It's like a 50-50 type of thing. So <laughs> your gifts are truly needed. And to not let other people know these gifts or to really allow yourself to shine in these beautiful things that you have, it does a disservice to the world because you can be a beautiful leader. You can be an influencer. You can do things kind of behind the scenes, but still make this beautiful impact that so many of people, women that I work with, that's what they really want to do is make a big difference in the world. And it's like, there's so many ways to do it. So we need those things in the world to help balance everything out. Yep. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, that that just that the same idea, that diversity of thought, um, yeah. um, you know, inner introvert, extrovert, you know, where, you know, your personal background comes from, all mm-hmm. of those things. If you're highly sensitive, all of it, that helps you when you really bring that together. Um, yep. as a team to help make your best decisions, you know, yes. and when you're uh, incorporating that into, uh, you know, even as an entrepreneur into your business mm-hmm. decisions. Well, yeah. wow, this is Nicole, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your many, your wonderful thoughts and many strengths of introverts and how they can thrive 
and work in leadership positions. And I know our audience is going to want to love to hear from you or hear about more about you. So where can they find more information about you? <laughs> yeah, they can go out to NicoleBurgessCoaching.com and my website's out there. They can find the podcast on that website as well. And so there's lots of little tidbits and goody stuff for them that they can go out and check out. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to provide the backlinks um, in our notes below for the show notes. And uh, Nicole, thank you. Amanda, thank you. This has been, like I said, a great conversation. I hope everyone in our audience enjoyed it. And if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share, you can leave a comment for us or you can contact us um, at jointheconversation at petitetoqueen.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, for anyone who wants to know more about Petite Queen and to have access to the wonderful tools and resources that we provide, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitequeen.com. And you will not miss out on something like this, this incredible podcast episode. So thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you.